Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our series in contentment, of course looking at Psalm chapter 23, and I hope that yesterday's episode was one that really encouraged you, and today I'm really excited to get into this. I was what was actually talking to someone about this yesterday who had listened to uh, the first podcast, and they said, they, they said, you know, wow, I, I really enjoyed that. And I said, you know, I'm, I, I'm glad that you really enjoyed it. Praise the Lord. But I'm really excited to continue on with this because it really builds on one another. And so if, if you get the chance, if you, if you're listening here, maybe you missed yesterday's episode or something like that, uh, or, or perhaps you're going to be listening to this uh, at some point in the future, and you realize you have not listened to the one on Psalm 23, verse 1, I would really encourage you to go back and to listen to that, not because it's, it's earth-shattering or anything like that, but because it really lays a foundation, and it's only 20 minutes, and if you're like Carter, uh, you can listen to it on two times speed, and um, and, and you know it goes a lot faster. It's only ten minutes then. And, and this one here, this one is going to build on that. You know that's how God's word is: is that he's he's building something. They're not just random verses uh, thrown together and they say completely different things, but they're actually building to something God makes sense. But let's get into our text today here, Psalm chapter twenty-three. And I'm going to go ahead and I'll read the whole chapter, but we're going to focus in on verse 2 today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to be focusing in on verse 2, and I'll start in verse 1 just so we can have a little bit of a review, but it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, I want you to realize that as your shepherd, God leads you. And it starts, of course, by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, in order for this to be true, you do have to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. So if you haven't repented of your sins, if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you haven't done as what it says in Romans 10, 9, that you've confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and he gives us the promise, and thou shalt be saved, then God is not your shepherd. But also, as we looked at yesterday, it's not just this idea of being saved. It's also this idea that you have to go and to give up your independence and become dependent upon God. A, a sheep isn't really following his shepherd if he's going out and doing his own thing. That, that they Just call that a goat, right? Not a sheep. They're just butting against the shepherd. But you really come under that shepherding when you follow the shepherd, when you become dependent on the care that he gives. Because what does a shepherd do? A shepherd feeds, they tend to their flock, they take care of their sheep, they protect those that are in their flock. And God, as our shepherd, he is our caregiver. And remember, this is a continuous verb in the Hebrew. So he continually takes 
care of you. And also remember that this is the main verb in the chapter. That's important because the whole chapter kind of points back to this one fact, the Lord is my shepherd. And of course, then this idea of contentment, I shall not want. And as we're looking at contentment, this brings us to a great truth. God is the only source of our contentment. And so we must seek to know him and to know him more in order to be content. So where do you try to root your contentment? That's a convicting question. Where do you try to root your contentment? You know, many people try to root their contentment in in entertainment and just kind of numbing themselves. Many people try to go and to root their contentment in money and things that they can buy, but all of these things will just lead you to discontentment. You must anchor your contentment into Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you that leading is a main part of a shepherd's job, and God always does his job. God always does his job. He's always leading us. We can't ever get to a point in life and say, oh, no, I can't follow God because he's not leading. No, the only reason you're not following God is because you're choosing to not follow his leading. It's not a problem with him. It's a problem with you if you're not following his leading. If you're not where he wants you to be, it's a problem with you. It's not a problem with God. But this brings us to the question of, will I follow his leading? Will I follow his leading? Will you follow the leading of God? But before we really get into that, and as you contemplate that question, I want to dive into the fact of how God leads. How God leads. Now, our text, remember, it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The first thing we see here is to lie down, to lie down. How God leads, he leads restfully. He leads restfully. He makes us to lie down. Now, this in the Hebrew, this is just an incredible thing, but it means exactly what it says. It means to lie down. And it is an action that is part of the whole, once again, making it dependent upon the main verb. And so what is it saying here is that we can only lie down. We can only have rest through God's shepherding, through God's shepherding. That's the only place that you're going to find rest and of course, he does give us physical rest. I, you know, I think of Elijah after he goes and he faces off with the prophets of Baal and he goes and he beats Ahab then down the mountain where he's running and Ahab's in the chariots. Just an incredible feat, of course, that is super powered and supercharged by the grace of God, by the power of God. And he gets down there, and of course, you'd think that after he goes and defeats all these prophets of Baal, he sees God do incredible things. God uses him to do incredible things. You'd think he'd be ready to take on the world, but the reality of it was was that Elijah was tired and hungry. And what was God's remedy for this? Well, it was a physical remedy. He said, take a nap and eat some food. That's what he said. And you do need to realize that when you are physically exhausted, there are times when God gives you physical rest. And of course, sometimes that comes with great peace in your life and times when it just wouldn't make sense. And God says, go lie down. And he gives you the best night's sleep that you've ever had or the best nap. And a lot of times those come on Sunday afternoons. But he also gives us other kinds of rest and other kinds of peace. I I put down emotional or spiritual rest here. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 9, it says this, 
And he said to me, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, this is Jesus speaking. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, Paul speaking again. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, the context of this is the, the thorn in the flesh that he has, which uh, the, the chapter or, or the text describes what that is. It tells us what that thorn in the flesh was. A lot of people speculate about it, but it says it was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And we can see that messenger of Satan in Acts chapter 16, where you have uh, the, the demonic a uh, person who is a lady who's who's possessed by a demon uh, going in and crying out and really bothering the Apostle Paul. And he had all kinds of attacks on his apostleship. Uh, we, we know that it was a, a demonic attack that was the thorn in the flesh that the Apostle Paul had. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in that weakness. In the midst of spiritual attacks, that is when you're strongest. And therefore, the Apostle Paul says, I can boast in my infirmities, in, in those who oppose me and come up against me. Why? Because then the power of God may rest upon me. And when God's power rests upon you, that is when you can rest and find peace. But also in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, if you are following God's leading, you need to understand how God leads. He always leads to rest. He leads restfully, whether that's physically, that doesn't mean that he's not going to wear you out, but he's going to give you rest, and he's going to give you rest spiritually and emotionally as well. He is the God of all comfort. And so you need to remember that. God's leading is a place not only to contentment, but also to comfort, even in the greatest pains and trials in your life. But part of God's shepherding in our life, it gives us this rest, and you will only find contentment when you rest in God. See, many do seek rest in their life. They, they might try to find it in being a sluggard and just simply finding sleep all the time. A lot of people I found in today's day and age try to find this rest or, or this checking out and this comfort in television, in video games, even in, in music, a place or a place where people can just check out from the reality of this world. And I'm not saying that these things are bad. I, I enjoy watching television shows every once in a while. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really play video games anymore, but I used to enjoy playing video games back when I had a little bit more time. And, and, and you know, music, I, I enjoy listening to music, but I never go there to find my comfort, of course, unless it is a worshipful music where I'm worshiping God and my, my mind is being set upon God. I don't go there to seeking to chest to check out, to go and to find rest and comfort and contentment, but rather I go there for the appropriate amount of amusement in my life. You know, sometimes people go and they try to find rest in their hobby or in their job or in, in finding money or success or things like that, but it's only when we rest in God that we can truly find contentment. Only when we commit ourselves wholly to Christ, when we trust wholly in him, 
That is when we're going to find contentment. That's when we're going to find rest. See, his rest often is simply found in these two things. I'm going to simplify it as, as much as I can here for sake of time, but that's praying to him and telling him what's going on in your life. You know, so many people struggle with cares and burdens of this world because they will not bring it to the feet of Jesus. You know, I'm glad that you've talked about it with with maybe your friend or with your pastor or your advisor or something like that, but have you taken it to God yet? Have you taken it to the feet of Jesus? Go and pray about what's going on in your life. You know, one of the problems that I had when, you know, when I first did this study, I shared a little bit about that, the time of life that we were in. We were, we had just uh, had our, our fourth miscarriage and we were struggling with uh, infertility in our life. And one of the problems that I had uh, w- was that I would go and look around and, uh, you know, it would seem that, that I couldn't have a child at that point in time. I remember stopping and thinking about that. And yet there'd be so many deadbeat dads around there. And yet there'd be so many people who did things in an ungodly way. And I'm, I'm just being honest with you here this moment. It, it made me mad. It made me very mad and very discontent because I was going and looking and going to my circumstances and trying to find an answer instead of turning and going to my God and trying to find an answer. But it was only when I placed the problems at the feet of God that I went and I really sought him in prayer and I rested in who he is that I could find contentment in my life. Another place where rest is found not only is in prayer, but it's found in reading the Bible. But not reading the Bible simply for answers in a trivial way or just trying to get what you want, but to read it relationally to know God, and to know Him more. You know, if you're struggling with contentment in your life, I would encourage you to get a notebook and write down the characteristics of God and the descriptions of God that you come across in your Bible reading. Take the focus off of you and place your eyes upon God. Don't just write down what you're learning in your notes and seeing what sticks out to you and what you want in the Bible, because there's a lot of great things in the Bible. I mean, God wants what's best for his children. We're going to see that in just a moment, but write down what you learn about God. That's where you'll find contentment. See, because contentment is found in God alone. Another simple thing here is that it tells us not just that he lies us down in green pastures, but he also leads us beside still waters. And just this phrase, he leads me. It means something interesting in the Hebrew because it doesn't just mean leading, but it means to lead at a convenient speed. To lead, I didn't even realize that rhymed, but to lead at a convenient speed. And the question comes, at whose pace or whose speed are we talking about? It's not yours. It's God's. See, you may not be where you want to be right now. You may not be even where you think you should be right now. But understand, God is leading at the right speed. And so if you are following him, you need to understand it's not just the right speed. It's a convenient speed. It's convenient for his plan, for his purpose. And timing is huge when it comes to contentment. And so if you are following him, you can trust that if you're behind him, that you're leading or that he's leading at the right speed 
at the convenient speed for his plans and for his purposes, and it is right. See, part of God's shepherding, a big part of it, of course, once again, is that he leads us, and this must means that we must follow where he leads, how he leads, and the pace that he leads at. And you're only going to be content if you follow God's leading in your life. The final thing that I want us to see here this morning as we're running out of time is where God leads, where God leads. And it tells us that he leads us in green pastures. Now in the English, when you read this, this is how you read it in the grammar. I know some of you are going, oh no, I don't want to get into grammar. I'm just here to listen to a devotional, but bear with me. It's important. See, pasture, we read this, this is how we read it in the English. Pasture is the noun and green is the adjective. It describes the noun, okay? But in the Hebrew, this is the grammar. Pasture is what is called the construct state. It's in what is called the construct state, meaning that it is dependent on another noun. So it's a noun that's dependent on another noun, pasture. Now, green is actually not an adjective in the Hebrew, it's a noun in the Hebrew, and the noun that pasture is dependent upon specifically. See, this means that God gives us rest only in green pastures, and there is no pasture that he leads to except that which is green. Understand what I'm saying here. It's not just that God leads us, gives us rest, gives us uh, comfort, but it is that where he leads, he always leads to pasture, but specifically, he always leads to green pastures. He doesn't lead to dusty pastures. He doesn't lead to pastures that, that, that you know, aren't full of nutrients and exactly what we need, but rather he leads us to what is best and he only leads us to what is best. Now, in a similar way, still waters. Now, why is it important? We do need to understand a little bit about still waters. I, I trust you can figure out why you need green pastures, right? For the nutrients. But still waters, you see, you need to understand sheep are, are, are uh, I about said sheep are chickens, but that might confuse some people who think, you know, maybe that boys are girls and girls are boys. So maybe I should be more clear. Sheep are cowardly. Sheep are cowardly. And they're so cowardly that they can't even drink from moving water. They go up to it and the, the stream starts moving and they go, ah, they get scared. And so what does the shepherd have to do? He has to go and he has to stop the water or still the water so that the sheep can come up and get a drink from that water that is stilled and it's calm and it's not moving. And, and so that, that, that's what God does for us. He goes and he takes the fear away of the unknown. And how does he take the fear away from the unknown? Well, he does it when we exercise our faith and we trust in his word. See, once again, we read this in the English. We would say that water is the noun and still is the adjective. It's describing what's happening to the noun. But in the Hebrew, waters is a noun in a construct state, once again, meaning it's dependent on another noun. And still is that noun. Specifically, it's that noun that waters is dependent upon. God leads us 
only by still waters. There's no waters that he leads except that which is still. He takes the fear away when we stay near the side of our Savior. You know, if you have discontentment in your life, chances are is that you are lacking comfort and that you are fearful about the unknown. Those are probably two traits that are true in your life if you are discontent. And so what does that mean? It means that you need to get in line. You need to commit yourself to God. You need to follow him because he leads only to green pastures, which is restful. And he leads only beside the still waters at a convenient speed for his plan, for his purpose. And he takes the fear out of it when you trust him. How can we say, though, that the water is still or the pasture is green when God allows us to go through difficult things, when he allows us to go through difficult things? Now, this is a question that has gone through my mind many times. You know, how can I say that I, I how could I say that I was in a green pasture beside still water uh, when, you know, my wife and I were having miscarriages or uh, we were struggling with infertility and things like that. But let me tell you how God used these trials, how God worked in the midst of these trials. I shouldn't say use these trials, but how he turned what, what Satan meant for evil, how he turned it to good. Let me tell you what God has done. Well, first of all, through the midst of all of this, it taught me to pray. It really taught me to pray. Now, I knew how to pray. You know, I knew how to fold my hands, close my eyes, bow my heads, head. I, was, I about said heads. I only got one. Uh, but it really taught me how to seek him in prayer. It wasn't until this time in my life that I had learned the discipline of going and praying for hours. In fact, there were several nights that I, I just for, foregone sleep, just forewent my sleep, and I stayed up and I prayed all night night. Specifically, it, it taught me intercessory prayer because God brought people in our life who were struggling with the same thing at the same time. And this taught me how to fast, how to humble myself before God, and how to truly seek Christ in the midst of prayer. Also, when he brought these people into our life, it gave us ministry opportunities. We were able to witness and share the gospel and continue to be able to share the gospel with so many people we also had the opportunity to counsel dozens and dozens of people who went through losing a child themselves. And, and that is an incredible comfort ministry to be able to share the grace of God that he has given you with the others to encourage and to comfort them as well. And also, it drew me and my wife, me and Sarah, closer together. We, we truly became uh, you know, we were best friends before, but we truly became best friends by being going through the fiery trials together, hand in hand. And so just to quickly review, what did God do? Well, he drew me closer to him. He allowed me to point others to be closer to Christ. He drew me and my wife closer together. And of course, looking back now from 2020 vision, uh, he brought two sons so far into our life who, I mean, we wouldn't trade for the world, but if we didn't go through these trials, we wouldn't have these two sons in our life and Thomas and Henry. And if this isn't green pastures and still waters, then I don't know what is because we absolutely love what God has done in our life. 
So in battling to be content, you must trust in God's word, what he has said, and believe him no matter what. And so this morning here, I've probably gone a little bit over in time, but I just want to ask you three questions, and I want to close then with a quote from A.W. Tozer. But here are the three questions. One, do you trust God's word and believe that God is only leading you to what is best? Two, do you seek rest in God or do you seek rest in something else? And three, is God your shepherd? Is God your shepherd? Do you know him as your savior? And are you following his leading? Now, here's the quotes that I want to end here from A.W. Tozer. Quoted Oswald Chambers yesterday. Today, we're quoting A.W. Tozer. This is what he says here. Faith is a redirecting of our sight, a getting out of the focus of our own vision and getting God into the focus. And then he also said this, faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. One of the biggest keys to contentment is believing God's word and getting us out of the focal point and putting God back in the focal point. So I hope you're doing that today. Let's end with Joshua 1, 8, and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting Will end in God's timing Sing like the battle's been won Then you feel it The song that is rising Then you can't help but let it out If you're trusting in faith Even now while you wait